Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes Podcast with Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sapp. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? December 5th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, uh, alongside co-host Sean Ross Sapp. Give him a follow, at Sean Ross Sapp. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe on all social media platforms. Give us a follow as well, at Fightful Online, at Fightful. We are everywhere. We do everything. We cover mixed martial arts, boxing, wrestling. We are the ultimate crossover site when it comes to the world of combat sports tons of stuff to discuss today uh but first things first sean i may if i may a happy birthday to my mini me my son turned seven today uh and it's going to be a disaster when he comes home from school i, I get it mini me because you look like dr evil i guess so sure if that's what you want to say uh everyone everyone tuned in right now i'm waiting for the live chat to sort of uh, open up ole samuele is already there uh but uh for those that don't know here first things first here's what we're going to talk about some fallout from ufc 218 we're going to preview the ufc fresno card headlined by cub swanson and brian ortega uh lots of uh Potential peeps joining us, courtesy of James Lynch and what went down in Detroit, Kevin Lee, Joe Stevenson, Raquel Pennington, uh, hopefully Justin Willis, Felice Herrig, uh, Tisha Torres, Paul Felder, lots of stuff uh, that we have uh, that you can check out as well at FightfulMMA.com, Fightful.com. Um, for those that don't know, and you may want to post some information on the live chat there, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Ross Sapp's bullshit meter today is already peaking, and we've only been live for about a minute, minute and a half. Oh, yeah. My hair meter's off the charts, too. This headband can't keep it under control, Joe. Sad. Just a sad, sad state of affairs with those locks. Well, hey, we have a ton of uh, – we're going to do something a little bit different before I say a ton of. We've got, like, video content of Justin Willis, Paul Felder, Felice Herrig, Joe Stevenson, uh, Tisha Torres, Raquel Pennington, Kevin Lee, that James Lynch was able to get this weekend at UFC 218. Tomorrow's listing, you boy, whether you're an MMA fan, pro wrestling fan, it's going to be worth watching. I want to get that one plug out there because I'm going to go into the pinned tweet on my Twitter, which 
came about from me discussing the difference in covering WWE and UFC and some of the hurdles because we had some hurdles getting to cover UFC 218 and we won't go into it yet, but they were some unnecessary hurdles and James Lynch went out there and he and our team got us just unmatched content. I thought we had the best content of any MMA site in the world for 218. Uh, I I just think we did great from our podcast to our previews to our prediction pieces to uh, video content, interviews. I think we had the best, and we're really wrapping it up today with a lot of these videos, which some of you may have seen on our YouTube and in articles, but a lot of you haven't. So lots of stuff, man. And Vinny Fernando uh, is saying Lee versus Gaethje right off the bat. Uh, right off the bat. I don't think Gaethje's going to fight for a while, but I'd be cool with that. I'm totally down with that fight. That'd be fantastic. I mean, as much as you and I and everyone sort of love his style, uh, eventually caught up with him. And Eddie Alvarez was the one person, the equal, if not more than the equal, that was able to say, you know what? You keep doing, you keep fighting like this, you're going to get this. You're going to get body shots, you're going to get uppercuts, you're going to get tagged in the face. Uh, I, I, I'm... I'll go on record as saying I think Kevin Lee's faster than Eddie Alvarez when it comes yeah, to striking and just sort of explosiveness. So great fight for both guys, but based on Justin Gaethje uh, going from octagon to hospital, not sure he'll be fighting anytime soon. Yeah, and I don't, I don't either. Uh, it's going to be a while before we see either guy. I would imagine they, they got paid very well for that fight and they got bonuses, so it could be. It, the, there are a lot of options for Kevin Lee right now in that division. I think that the the door is wide open for a rematch with Tony Ferguson, a healthy Kevin Lee against Tony Ferguson down the line. That is there. That lightweight division is just a joy. Just just great stuff coming out of that. But UFC 218 is going to have like long-lasting ramifications, Joe. We start from the top, and it's like Max Holloway. Max Holloway is saying he wants four UFC championships. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. Although he said, maybe I move up to heavyweight one day. Maybe I do that because you know we like to eat. And I was like, you know what? I would say that that's more likely than him winning the 185-pound title. <laughs> because Mark Hunt has wrecked shop as a five foot ten guy uh, at heavyweight. So if Max Holloway gets super fat, maybe he can contend at heavyweight. But then we have Nganu over him. Nganu Miocic, to me... That is a marketable fight if I have ever seen one. Give me that. I said Super Bowl, their Super Bowl show, whatever the hell their February show is. If they can get it in January, cool. They don't got to cut weight. That's the benefit of heavyweights. You can throw them on a show like this, say, here's your six weeks. Have at it. But um, I would say that uh, Francis Ngannou, unless his left hand is injured <laughs> from the uppercut, uh, and by the way, thank goodness uh, Alistair O'Rourke is okay. But yeah. don't think he'll ever think be the he's... same again, though. I don't. No. So that fight would be absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure Francis and Gano would be like, "Yep, where do I sign?" Uh, and it's just a matter of the whole UFC contract renegotiation renegotiations with Stipe Miocic. If they can get that figured out, I mean, to, <laughs> I'm thinking of what you just said. That is a marketable fight. 
that might be the biggest understatement ever stated on the Holy Smokes podcast. That fight there is going to have you and I and everybody on this chat and tuned in right now losing our marbles for it just to simply take place. MMA gods, please do not do anything to destroy that fight for us. Do not screw it yeah. up because we want to see it. We want to know if Francis Ngannou is officially the baddest man on the planet, and we want to see if Stipe Miocic can kill, destroy that hype train. I want to see it, man. I can't wait to see it. I'm trying to think back of a, a UFC heavyweight championship fight that I've looked forward to more. Maybe the first Cain Velazquez versus Junior Dos Santos I did. But I can't think of another one uh, since then. Carwin versus Lesnar was up there. I looked forward to that one big time. Other than that, uh, I think that I think it reaches the top three for me of all time in UFC heavyweight title fights. My question is, will, will Overeem be the same? What do you think? Because... He's been knocked out that we know of a dozen times. That we know of. Not to mention how hard I'm sure he's went in the gym. I, I, you said it. You don't think he's going to be the same ever ever again. But then um, again, but I say that, Joe, but I didn't think he was going to be the same after, uh, what was it? Let, let's see, his like three straight. Not three straight, but he, he got knocked out by Bigfoot, Brown, and Rothwell. All within like two years of each other. And he had that decision win against Mir right in the middle. I didn't think he was ever going to be the same after that. But then he reeled off four straight wins. Made it to a title fight. Got knocked out there. Then beat Mark Hunt and Fabricio Verdun back to back. So I don't think that, that Alistair Overeem gets enough credit for his resilience. And uh, because you know his history and the, you know, the, the surrounding him and steroids and things like that but he's a guy who has made it work and has adapted so the way he's able to bounce back from this will be very telling to me the guy fights at minimum two times a year two to three times a year what kind of layoff he faces after this is going to uh say a lot um i remember the fact that you know, the Travis Brown one was kind of we, – we all were like, that fight was kind of crazy, whatever. Uh, the Ben Rolfa one was insane. But then he comes back. He takes out Struve. We're like, okay, he's doing better. Fights a very cautious fight somewhat against Roy Nelson. Uh, not the typical Alistair Overing fight, but then comes and does what he did to Junior Dos Santos. That was a mean, mean knockout. The Andre Arlovsky fight, I think a lot of us were like, it's just a matter of time before um, that one ends pretty quick. And that one ended in the second round. Then he gets the title shot. Did really good against Stipe Miocic and then had that whole debacle uh, that caused the end of that fight there. Comes back, destroys Mark Hunt. Uh, the Verdum fight, yeah, you know, you can make the argument that Verdum may have won that fight. But then this knockout for, with Nganu was, was damn scary. So I could see him taking some time off. And um, in terms of what he needs to do after that, we'll see who he fights next. If he does come back, I think he will. Uh, but the whole Nganu situation, I mean, Kyler James in the live chat says, I'm scared. For Stipe. I think a lot of people are of the belief that after what Nganu did, considering the hype train and all the stuff that the people talk about for Nganu, and he goes and does that to Alistair Overeem, the instant reaction is, quote, I'm scared for Stipe. Me personally, uh, I wouldn't say I'm scared for Stipe, Sean. I think that, you know, with the right game plan, Stipe can do what he needs to do to defeat Nganu. But my goodness, I just want an answer. I just want an answer to who the winner of this fight's going to be. So like, here's my thing: like you can, you can chew as much bazooka gum as you want to train your jaw and stuff like that. But ultimately, 
you look back and Stefan Struve knocked out Stipe Miocic. It was five years ago, but here's the difference. Every single person, including Alistair Overeem, knew that the first punch was going to knock him out. Watch how Overeem fought. We all knew it. First off, let's go ahead and rank Curtis Blades number two in the heavyweight division for lasting two rounds with Nganu. <laughs> Put him up there. Curtis Blades, my man, you did it. You've made it. You are a UFC heavyweight title contender in my book. That, that's something I also want to approach. Curtis Blades, 26 years old right now. He was freshly 25 when he fought Francis Ngannou and made it through two rounds in Croatia. Not, not just went two rounds. He flew overseas and went two rounds in his first ever UFC fight on short notice, I do believe. Like, I'm pretty sure that uh, he did that, like, three months, like, maybe, no, it was less than two months. It was, like, six, seven weeks removed from his previous fight in RFA. Since then, Curtis Blades has gone 4-0, including a win over Alexi Olenek. That's one of those things Daniel Cormier talks about the rub, the pro wrestling rub, where you're in yeah. the cage with somebody and how your performance against them, Lando Venata, perfect example. He got the rub. Curtis Blades gets a retroactive rub, and that sounds incredibly <laughs> inappropriate, but he gets it. The <laughs> man lasted two rounds with this guy. Jeez. Jeez, uh, Kyler says, props to Sean repping his team after a hard loss. I always rep my teams. Bengals, Kentucky Wildcats, uh, FC Cincinnati, Columbus Blue Jackets, and yes, the Bengals. And you know, maybe sometimes the Bulls. Pelicans because they got a Maysville guy, but yeah, the Bengals loss was sad. That had a lot of MMA in it as well. You're but, a kinder soul than me, bro. You're way kinder soul because I was going to – I was – Prepped to wear my uh, my soccer, my Italia jersey uh, on one of the broadcasts until they were the first time in, what, 60 years. They didn't qualify for the World Cup. Gutted, disgusted, pissed off at that. Uh, thankfully, they're making some major changes. And I was going to wear a Leafs shirt last week, and they lost. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to wear my Leafs shirt because people are going <laughs> to mock me. Good for you. For Although there your is part of me, and I've told Jimmy this. Like, I wonder if this if me working for Jimmy gives me a free pass to be a fan of Toronto teams. Like, look behind you. Look behind your left shoulder. I know, right? So, well, I pointed over the wrong one. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there are times, like, I I love the Bulls, but, I mean, a guy that used to come to my freaking parties and Darius Miller plays for the Pelicans. So, it's a little bit different. I've I've gone off track. Curtis Blades, he is even more impressive, in my opinion, uh, in, in this regard. Alistair Overeem, Stipe and Miocic. So Overeem's going to face a layoff. Miocic, if he gets touched once, I think he's out. But here's the thing, Joe. If he touches Nganu, maybe Nganu goes out. That's the beauty of heavyweights. Yeah, we got we to see what Nganu's chin can actually take. And although it's the heavyweight division, you probably can't take much. Roy Nelson used to be able to take a lot. Uh, so it remains to be seen what will happen if Ngannou... The thing is, though, we just... I know Curtis Blades went two rounds with him. I would like to see the potential of Ngannou being tested, man. Yeah. Having some resolve. Having to show that fighter's heart to say, I'm not leaving. I'm not quitting. I've got to figure out a way to win this fight. I'm going to go out on my sword. Uh, we haven't really seen that just yet, man. We haven't seen it. Every fighter has to go through it or they get knocked out. So... We'll see, but man, that knockout of Overeem still resonates 
uh, I can just feel the emotions I felt when I saw that go down on my television screen, and I thought to myself, I really hope Overeem's still alive because that was scary. Do not show the replay UFC production team until you know you know he's awake because that was scary. So while that heavyweight, the heavyweight title, like that's that's decided. It's Ngannou versus Overeem. That's it. A little foggier is the women's strawweight situation. Yoana, if anybody's due a rematch, maybe her, but she got destroyed. That there, there are a lot of moving parts here. She got destroyed, but it's like, you know, she carried that division. She was that division. Now, when I say she's owed a title fight, it might not be at that weight. Maybe they immediately throw her against Nico Montana or Nico Montano, and that's that setup. I we spoke to. Tisha Torres, after her fight, let's hear what she has to say. Is there anything about Michelle that surprised you tonight, or did you, this is sort of what you expected? Uh, nothing surprised me. I was faster than her, and I was stronger than her, and I felt like she was ready to give up multiple times in that fight. Has this been the best year of your life? You get engaged, you get the finish in your last fight, and you get a big win tonight? Yeah, it's been pretty great. I, feel, I felt tonight that I was getting back to that fighter. That was an Invicta, the hungry fighter, and I really want it more, especially with the change of belt. Uh, you know, Rose is the champion now, and I'm happy that she's there. She's a true representation of the strawweight division, and uh, I'm just excited to see what's next for me. And even though you guys have trained, you'd fight Rose, right, for the title? It's not an issue? For sure. Business is business. We all know that we want the same thing. There's other girls that I've, I train with that are in the strawweight division as well. Assuming you're healthy and everything like that, when are you looking to, to fight again? When would be like an ideal situation for you? Uh, three months, so I get a couple weeks off and right back into fight camp. Uh, what about Claudia? Even though she's coming off the loss, would you want to fight Claudia? her? She's, she's, she's a big name. Uh, yeah, I'd fight her, but uh, I think at this point probably the winner of Andrade or Carolina would be good, but really I'd like a title fight. I'd like that you know, grudge match. I think it's a fight the fans want to see, and when we were in Invicta, um, everybody said that first time, I think we were the first fight they had on pay-per-view, that we were going to fight for the um, UFC title one day, and I believe that's going to happen. I think the story is there, and it'd be a great fight for the fans and for myself, and nothing against Rose, you know, business is business, but I want that title fight. And I've been wanting it for a long time. So if, if it wasn't Rose, if it was Joanna, I'd still be, you know, edging for that title fight. It doesn't really matter who has it. I just want it, you know. So Tisha Torres does own a win over Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas owns a win over Tisha Torres. That was a very controversial situation. The thing is, like, it's I don't know that it's familiar enough in the fans' minds to where you could or couldn't go there. Like, it does. I don't think that influences it one way or another necessarily. Like. I don't see a lot of people calling for, like, Rose Namajunas and Tisha Torres to hash this shit out. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 somewhere you could go, especially if Joanna moves to 125. So, as you mentioned before we went to the clip, um, Tisha was kind of hardcore off the top of that clip, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, she yeah. beat Watterson and basically said, bah, doesn't matter. I was ready for everything. She was going to quit. I was like, whoa, okay, well. To kill the humility. Um, in terms of what the UFC may do versus what they should do versus what's going to happen, uh, like you said, no one's clamoring for this Tisha Torres versus yeah. Rose Namajunas trilogy fight. No one's saying, yep, yep, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Um, in terms of, as weird as it sound sounds, it's up to Johanna, right? What does she want to do? And I don't think she deserves a rematch. She does deserve it because of, of how she built that division, was the only champion up until Rose knocked her out, but she got knocked out. She got whooped. So in my opinion, she shouldn't get the rematch. But when it comes to 
being the promoter, what makes the most money for the organization? Well, you damn know it's the rematch between Ioana and uh, Rose. Um, that if Rose wants to go to 125 pounds, that opens the door for Tisha Torres. Ain't no one clamoring for Felice Herrig to get that title shot. Yeah, and that, the, the funny thing is, like, because Felice Herrig has the marketable look and the marketable persona and all that, but she she alienated herself from so many people, like with her with her attitude on the Ultimate Fighter, along with Carla Esparza. Like, that's the thing, Carla Esparza is a talented fighter, but people got so put off with her, not from like a heel perspective, just from a man. She seems like a dick type of person, like. Just the way that they acted and stuff like that. I think Herrig has really scaled it back in recent years. That being said, <laughs> after beating Courtney Casey, this is what she had to say to us uh, and James Lynch after after her win. Fourth in a row, mind you. Surprise for you that she kind of went full Nick Diaz in this fight, uh, getting in your face. Oh, we both went yeah. full on Nick yeah. Diaz, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think she was she was she got a little upset because I. I got her with a shot, and she, I saw it on her face. And I don't know, fighters get emotional. Um, she flicked a booger at me. It was great. I mean, it's entertaining for the fans. Like, I like that. I like being in entertaining fights. Um, I'm not mad at her. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was cool. I thought I, I, I was, uh, I was um, entertained by it. I thought it was entertaining. Who do you want next after this fight, this big win here? I know. It's four in a row. I yeah. think uh, I, I kind of am coming in like a dark horse. Like, everybody's just underestimating me. And, um... Um, but I don't really care, honestly. Every time I think, I, you know, I want somebody to give me somebody else, and so I really don't give a shit. Do you feel like you're getting the respect now? Uh, you were the betting favorite going into this fight. It feels like people are finally coming around and giving you the do. I actually feel like I, I fight better when I'm in the underdog, but I actually don't really know when I'm the underdog. I don't really pay too much attention. I usually can tell when I am, and, um, yeah, you know, tides are changing a little bit. I think it's great because years ago people always kind of thought I was just this this uh, girly fighter who cared more about my looks than my fighting and people would say oh you know she gets all this attention or she gets opportunities or she gets sponsors because you know because she's whatever she shows her ass or you know stuff yeah. like that and um, now I think people are actually talking about my skills and and I feel like I've I've commanded some respect and you know you can't four fight I'm on a four fight win streak I don't really know anybody in the Charlotte division right now who's on a four fight win streak so I think there's something to be said in uh, that. How close do you think you are to a title shot? That You mentioned the four wins. That's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I would say I'm pretty close. Um, the belt just changed, ha changed hands, and I feel like the number one, two, three, what, four contenders have all fought for the belt. Um, I would think what would be fair would maybe be the winner of, like, the, the Tisha-Michelle Watterson fight to get, the, um, to get the next title shot, and then, you know, who knows? Um, I, don't, I don't really um, put too much stock in what's what's going to happen because it's the UFC makes the decisions. Perfect you know? situation. When do you fight next? When, when, uh, when are you looking at? Definitely not till after Christmas and New Year's because I really enjoy my Christmas and I want to enjoy it fully. Um, so maybe February. <laughs> so as much trash as I give the UFC rankings because some of them are real bad, <laughs> I, I like looking at them. It's a good promotional tool for us to use, for the UFC to use. If maybe a wrestling fan doesn't know who somebody is, we can put number one versus number four, and they know that that fight means a little bit of something. I cannot wait to see the mayhem that unfolds in the women's strawweight, women's bantamweight, and men's middleweight division over the next few months because I didn't even realize it. I do this for a living, and I'm just taking a glance at stuff. 
Liz Carmouche's next fight is at flyweight. She's she's going to be out of those women's bantamweight rankings soon. Uh, you're going to see maybe Jessica Andrade moves up. Why wouldn't she? Valentina Shevchenko is moving down. We've got a lot. Of, maybe Ioana moves up. There's there's not a lot of people who are. Paige Van Zandt's going to move up, and uh, Joanne Calderwood's going to move up. Like you've got those. Felice Herrig is in a situation where two, a couple girls above her could move up. Then you have Michelle Watterson, who I think Felice Herrig deserves to be above at this point because uh, Watterson is coming off a two win. She has the win over Panay, but that's her best win. I, you know, she fights more often than than her buddy Carla Esparza. But if Carla Esparza got in the cage, maybe she could. Maybe she could do something. She's going to fight Calvillo later this month. And if Carla Sparza beats Cynthia Calvillo, that's good because Calvillo is, like, for, for her experience level, just outstanding. But I think that Felice Herrig is real close, given the circumstances, knocking on the door being a top five UFC strawweight fighter. Didn't see that coming. She is incredibly slow. That is that is the only my only, like, problem with her from a technical standpoint, given the skill level of this division. As it pertains to earning a title shot. She's a little slow. Now, I mean, there's nothing wrong with giving her the shot, if that's that's the case. But Tisha Torres probably deserves it above her. Probably Cynthia Cavillo. Might be a couple others, but we got to see where they land in this division. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say she's – Yeah, you could say she's slow. It's just the pulling of the trigger, right? It's the mm-hmm. pulling of the trigger to say, you know what, it's open. And if it's not open, you, you can still throw a third punch – uh, you know, whatever, a one-two upstairs, a third to the body. It, 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 there's always options there. It's it's the one punch that people are are, are stuck in sometimes. Uh, and again, you know, when you're getting punched in the face, you, your decision making can kind of change as the fight goes on. But at the same time, Felice, in my opinion, uh, is doing what she needs to do. She's won four straight. Um, has she cleaned up her image? I guess so, potentially. Um, it, but sometimes the. Da- when damage is done, quote unquote, damage is done, and I don't even know if it's really damage. It's just here's who I was in the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, unfortunately, you rub people the wrong way. It, it, you got to remember anything and everything you do when the cameras are on for mass consumption. There's going to be a segment of the population that will always remember you for that, will judge you for it, and nothing you can really do uh, will sway those masses. Some will sway back. Some are more realistic. Some are more you know understanding, but. You know, she did what she had to do. Carlos Spars is is, is uh, an enigma to me, uh, to be honest with you, Sean. I just I'm, I'm puzzled by everything since she lost the title. But uh, it is what it is. But if if someone deserves that title shot, it is Tisha Torres, in my opinion. Tiny Tornado deserves it, but it's up to Johanna, man. If Calvillo can beat Carlos Sparza, I put her in the conversation because. I mean, beating Amanda Cooper and Pearl Gonzalez, not not big deals. But beating Joanne Calderwood, that that's a pretty big deal to me. Especially beating her. This is this right now is still Cynthia Calvillo's first full year as an MMA pro MMA fighter. That's, that's mind boggling. That's mind boggling. What's mind boggling is on the live chat. They've got me playing James Bond. I'd be a great James Bond. Dana White is the would. villain. How the hell would I be a good James Bond? Oh no, you'd be a good James Bond villain. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> I like the suits. I like jumping out of planes. That'd be kind of cool. Or helicopters. But back to Cynthia Cavillo. Um, so you think with a victory over Carla, because Carla's the former champ, we should be discussing whether or not she gets that title shot, or yeah. in, in, in the mix at least. Yeah, and I think that's what they're going to wait and see. Like they're going to. I mean, that, that's at the end of the month. 
So why not just wait and see how that plays out? Like that's a big fight in the division. You can you can run you'll, with that. You'll have my attention. You'll have my attention if there's a finish. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would go that far. I would say that as well. Uh, one person we can confirm is not going to be at women's flyweight is Raquel Pennington, who many people <laughs> thought that she would because of how she, you know, the way that her her body hashes out at 135. And she said not only can she not make the weight, she's aware of that, and she's trying to scientifically figure out, like, why am I not cut when I am cutting? So uh, here's James Lynch's interview with Raquel Pennington, who is likely in line for a 135-pound title shot. And I'm here with Raquel Pennington, who's obviously here uh, supporting Tisha Torres here on Saturday. Um, how is it uh, – I know you did this in the summer for Tisha as well. How is it kind of being behind the scenes, you know, supporting uh, Tisha in this fight? You know, I mean, it's exciting. I'm very proud of her, all her hard work, and for her just to have these opportunities – so that's exciting. Um, it's definitely been a struggle for me because yes. I wish I was in her position. Yeah. I'm ready to get back at it myself. Yeah, uh, the injury, I know you had it hunting. I'm sure you're sick of talking about it. We'll quickly, briefly talk about it. What exactly happened? How long are you out for? Um, basically, we were hunting all morning. You know, I've been hunting ever since I was seven, never had an accident, and I guess everything happens for a reason. But we came down from the mountain, went to go turn the corner. It was snowing. Um, our side-by-side uh, went to go roll, and um, my rifle was in between my legs, so when I tried to jump out, I couldn't completely clear it, and the roll cage completely smashed the back of my leg. Oh, um, doctors said that I basically lucked out. I avoided having drop foot. Uh, I avoided uh, multiple breaks to where it would have been a higher risk for amputation. And then, luckily, I have no idea. I didn't tear anything. Oh, good. Okay. But the way my calf looks, you would think I tore everything. So, um they originally said three to four months, and then after the MRI came back, uh, I was supposed to be on crutches for six weeks. But I don't know. I'm healing pretty quick. I'm doing everything that I possibly can. Have a great group of uh, doctors in my corner, and so I'm hoping soon because I'm ready to just start training, get back at it. But uh, I think as far as being back in action, probably like me. Gotcha. Uh, has shopping helped? I know Tisha was saying you guys like going to Ross and everything like that. Is it is that sort of good therapy for for an injury like this? It has been. I don't know how we got hooked on that. It was just. Yeah. We started going into, we were shopping for our dogs a lot, and right. we were going Six into, dogs, I heard. That's crazy. Yeah, we have our fur babies. <laughs> but uh, we were going into Ross and all these places, and then we just started browsing on our own, and it just became something fun, and we've been having fun with that and spending family time, different things. Yeah, that's good. And how's uh, Detroit treated you? Have you ever been here before? I've never been here. Yeah. So it's fun. Yesterday, um, we went shooting with someone. Darren Cruxshank, I heard, yeah. yeah. So we had some fun with that, although I felt like I was getting frostbite in the middle of shooting right. on my fingers. Yeah. But um, it's good. Excellent. And uh, as far as, you know, keeping occupied and stuff, I guess you still go to the gym and just sort of, you know, learn technique and just kind of watch what other people are doing just to kind of keep your mind active? Yeah. So, I mean, I watch her and I'm obviously in her corner, so I coach her. Yeah. Um, as far as technique, I can't do anything. I can't, it's hard yeah. for me to get down uh, and bend and stuff like that right now. So it's funny because I had my shoulder surgery and all I could do was lower body. Now I have a leg injury, so all I'm doing yeah, is upper, upper body. body. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you're just working half the body at, at this point this year, right? So I am. So yeah. it's my only sanity. Fair enough. Um, as, as far as you know, what's happening on the Ultimate Fighter this season? You're on the Ultimate Fighter. Have you enjoyed the season? Have you, have you been watching the episodes? Yeah, we've we've watched most of it. Uh, we've missed a few episodes, but we've kind of kept up with it. Um, so I mean, it's exciting. It's cool that they finally opened up another division for the women, especially when it comes to the weight cut. It takes such a for one, weight cut is a huge toll on everybody, but especially the female body. Yep. So the fact that we don't have drastic differences in weight, um, that's awesome. And I'm excited to see what happens. Do you think you can make 125? If I cut my leg off. Okay. Before, no, I know. I, I have to ask. So everyone's metabolism is different, right? It's a fair, you know, I understand. Yeah. Everybody gets fooled. You know, yeah. I got the Mexi roll and stuff, yeah. but no, I, okay. I walk pretty heavy. I actually walk 157. Okay. So. 
and you eat really healthy too. I mean, you see the pictures on social media and stuff. Like you're, you know, eating pretty. How, like, is it tough too? Because you got to eat healthy year round now with the injury. I imagine because you're not being able to do too much. Yeah, I eat pretty healthy um, all year round. Uh, I have a cheat meal once a week, yeah. if that. Um, and then, of course, the holidays come around, stuff like that. So between eating healthy and then doing the little bit of workouts I can, that's what keeps me busy. Um, although I have been doing some hormone testing to figure out everything else because, I mean, with us athletes, we're so in tune with our bodies. And uh, the way that I work out and the way that I eat, I should be shredded. You know, on Tisha's level, yeah. it's never worked out. So then I did some hormone testing, found out a lot of stuff. And so uh, I feel like I'm just I'm climbing. I'm excited to return and be able to work out with all the right programs, all the right eating and stuff like that. And just put all the puzzle pieces together. Well, best of luck to uh, Tisha and the team on Saturday, and uh, thanks for the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Do you think the UFC slides somebody else in there against Nunes before then? Because it's looking like April, May before uh, Pennington's back. Yeah, I believe so. Some way, somehow, they're going to put someone in there. I don't think Amanda wants to be off for that long. Uh, I'll, I mean, if I see her uh, next weekend for Titan, uh, if she's in attendance at the Titan show... I will try and get a bunch of um, clips from her, if possible. Uh, those are saying James Lynch has interviewed everyone. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. That's what happens, guys and girls, when you get credentialed for a UFC event. The accessibility uh, is fantastic. Uh, I mean, I, I just posted it on the live chat that I used to get 10 to 12 interviews every single show. Like, all these things that you see behind me, multiply that by 10 or 12. And a lot of them were sit-downs, and the content is golden. It's just a matter of once you're there, you got you wake up, Sean, you shower, you put your suit jacket on, you get all dressed up, go, 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 <laughs> feed it, feed it, feed it, feed it, get some lunch. Go, 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 feed it. It's just nonstop. So kudos to James Lynch for getting out there, doing what he had to do, and, and showing what it's like when you, you actually aren't there to be a prima donna. You're there to work. You're there to get content. You're there to make yourself look good, the UFC look good, the fighters look good, uh, and get stuff for Fightful. So kudos to James, but that's what it's like, man. I've been there so many times where I'm like – the hell are these guys doing here like you got you're, you're printing up one story because you spoke to gsp later meanwhile you got guys like james lynch and others that want to go in there and get as much content as possible uh, i will say this though about uh the conversation with raquel two things um she walks around at 157 pounds yeah i didn't expect I that oh, hell no I've, I've met her numerous times if she told me to my face, yeah, I walk around at 157, hell no. You walk around at 140 if you're lucky. makes a lot of sense that she's so hard to move around in that cage now. Yeah. Makes yeah. So her- As they said back in high school, she's stout. She's well, stout. Yeah. So, and with that, with that footwork, and now you know where she generates that power from. Yeah. Right? So- Head, lower body and stuff like that. But the one thing that James should have did, correct me if I'm wrong, the minute she opened her mouth about hormone testing – Follow that up, son. Yeah. What is this hormone testing that you speak of? Explain more. Really get get her to open up about that because she even said in the interview that, hey, man, I eat well. I train hard. I'm no different than Tisha, but look at Tisha and yeah. look at me. Yeah, Tisha's a freak of nature too. Uh, also, guys, I want to plug this. Head over to uh, FightfulPods.com, MoreFightful.com, the latest MMA industry podcast with Alexander Lee is up. He's from MMA Fighting. He covered the event last week as well. He and James talk about that experience. There are so many different angles you can take with the MMA industry podcast, not just individual experiences and how they got into covering the sport, but 
individual events as well. And there are so many behind-the-scenes stories that get unveiled on those. Like, I have people telling me all the time, I didn't know this happened. I didn't know that happened. Uh, James Lynch has a great podcast there. Now, Joe, as we mentioned, maybe sliding somebody else in there while Pennington gets better. Here's the landscape. Number one is Valentina Shevchenko, who has fought Amanda Nunes before and not won. And she wants to drop to 125. Holly Holm has a 145-pound title shot. <clears throat> Juliana Pena is pregnant. Don't know why she's still in the rankings. Raquel <laughs> Pennington is Raquel Pennington. Ronda Rousey ain't fighting. Kat Zingano hasn't won in three years, and she's already booked for, like, February. Sarah McMahon coming off of a loss. Caitlin Vieira is the next in line after all that. Three wins in a row. Maybe a little young for it, but do you, do you do that? Do you maybe throw it on in Brazil or something? How can you do it? Yeah. So let, let's let's really and, quickly and go below that. Sorry, let's let's address below that really quickly. Jermaine Durandamy ain't getting a title shot. They don't trust her. Like that's it. Alexis Davis and Liz Carmouche are the next two. They're gone. They're one twenty-five. See, ya. Oh, sorry, they're going down. Yeah, one twenty-five. Yeah. Yep. So b- below that, it's Marion Renault. What, uh, didn't she? Did she lose her last fight? I can't remember. I believe no. She beat she beat Talita <clears throat> Bernardo. So she's unbeaten in her last three fights. I guess maybe like what? Did we talk about that fight? I'm drawing a blank on that one. Yeah, I can't remember it either. It was in September. Okay. All right. No, she ain't getting a title shot. Um, so let's let's quickly go up and down that list real quick one more time. Holly Holm ain't going to happen. Obviously, she's competing at 145. Um, Liz Carmouche and Alexis Davis are gone. They're at 125. Uh, Raquel Pennington deserves that shot, but it ain't happening anytime soon because of her crazy-ass uh, four-wheeler injury. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, she's okay. Um, I, I, I like the Shevchenko fight, right? Why yeah. not? Because... That's a, that, that trilogy fight needs to happen based on what happened uh, in the rematch. Controversial. Many made the argument that Valentina won, Sean. So, and, you know, I, if, if say, say Shevchenko wins. If Shevchenko wins, Nunes could fight Cyborg, but she doesn't want to. She says she doesn't want to. Or vice no, versa. Cy- yeah, vice versa, yeah. yeah some, some dumb shit. <laughs> but if Shevchenko loses, she can move to 125. I don't know. I just think I, I know Shevchenko said that she wanted to move to 125. So, man, crazy, crazy situation we're in. But heavyweight's also in a crazy situation. Light heavyweight's in a crazy situation, per usual. At least at the top of the heavyweight, there's some clarity. But if you were to listen to Justin Willis after his victory the other day, you would think he deserves the title shot. Here he uh. is talking to James Lynch. Congratulations on the win. Uh, very emotional after the fight. What was sort of uh, going through your head as you got your hand raised? Another impressive win uh, coming up here tonight. I'm a man of my word, man. Like I've said, and if you guys follow along with me, um, I'm here to take over this division. And, you know, just coming from nothing, man, and, and be able to grow here. I put so much into this. And, man, if you see my fights from early on, I mean, I'm, I'm made for this shit, man. And it's time for me to come and reap my rewards yeah. one by one. And did that fight go exactly how you planned? You said he wasn't an elite fighter. I think you sort of proved that tonight. I'm the elite fighter. I am the uh, elite fighter in heavyweight division. Um, I have teammates that are elite. They'll tell you the same thing. Um, but now she's coming here and prove it to the world, uh, piece by piece, step by step, and Crowder was a second step. When would you like to fight next? Uh, this is a quick win for you. You're not getting paid by the hour, so uh, obviously probably um, want to get back in there soon. Um, I made a commitment to myself when I first started this sport. Um, I don't know if you guys know, the, um, 
me fighting Mohan to this fight was six months. That's been my shortest turnaround because most, uh, at the beginning of my career, most guys. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They're scared to fight me. So um, now I made a commitment every three to four months. I mean, yeah, three to four months. So once a quarter, about, I want to fight. That's the plan. Any particular card you want on next year? I don't give a fuck, man. Three to four months. How are you planning on celebrating tonight? Um, I don't drink. I don't smoke. Um, I just go, uh, go back to the drawing boards, man. See what I did wrong. Um, see how I got hit a few times. Um, and go um, plug in those little inadequacies I have. We saw you drinking a Coke after the fight. Uh, what, what's on the post-fight cheat meal list? Oh, now that's, that, <coughs> that's a topic we could talk about. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about Shake Shack. I saw Shake Shack down the street. Y'all, y'all see that shit? Yeah. That shit delicious. Yeah, so I'll probably Shake Shack. And when I get home, I spend about three days of just binging. I'm on the couch like a fat bastard. And I'm just eating my ass off. So it'll probably be some Shake Shack, then wing stop, and then... Five guys, that's my shit. So Justin Willis is not exactly shy, Joe. Um, <laughs> I have so many friends. I have about six friends I can rhyme off right now that are Justin Willis. That's how they talk. That's yeah. who they are. Um, just hilarious. They don't give a rat's ass about anything. They're going to say what they want to say. Although I, I do want to pose one thing to you. Um, although I'm, I'm dying right now because he said Shake Shack because there's no Shake Shacks in Canada. Uh, but I got my introduction to Shake Shack uh, two or three Titan FC events ago courtesy of Titan FC CEO Lex McMahon. He's like, hey, Captain Diet, Captain Eat Healthy, you're coming with me. And we pull up to this Shake Shack. And I walk in there and I'm like, it's all burgers and shakes, man. What's up? He's like, yep. You're not eating healthy right now. I said, all right, tried it. God, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But um, I got one word for you, um, Sean Ross Sapp, a.k.a. Uh, UFC matchmaker extraordinaire. Uh, <laughs> Justin Willis versus Tay Tulvasa. That's solid. I like that fight because he's another heavyweight that competed down under or, or competed uh, – what was that show? Australia, wasn't it? Or was it New Zealand? Yeah. It was in the street. It was in Sydney. Sorry, he, in his post-fight interview, he informed everybody that he was the man, and he informed when, when asked, you know, what's next for you? What message do you have for the heavyweight division? If I'm not mistaken, his quote was, "I'm still here." Like that's a fight that I would love to see between these two guys. I don't know if it's a good idea to pit them together, Sean, or keep them on opposite sides of the proverbial bracket. What would you do? I would keep them on different sides. That well, here's the thing. If you keep them on different sides, you run the risk of both of them losing. 
It's like one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't things. Because if you keep them together, at least one of them is going to win. That's why I always thought, like, hey, find a couple of 5-0, 6-0, oh, 7-0 oh heavyweights. Put them in, like, a silent eight-man tournament. Don't tell anybody you're doing a tournament. Just naturally match them up that way. Eventually, you're going to have a 9-0 and oh heavyweight undefeated who made his way through all these people. And you'll have a guy that can contend, and you'll always have that to go to. There are a lot of people in that heavyweight division that you can make a name off of, like Stefan Struve, Travis Brown, Andre Arlovsky. So those guys are there, and they are like 10 and below. But now, like, you know, I say you build up prospects. I think the UFC's done a fair job of that at heavyweight. You've got Nganu, you have Derek Lewis to an extent, you have Volkov, you have Marcin Tybura, you have uh, Curtis Blades. So not bad, not a bad landscape at heavyweight anymore. Light heavyweight, it's not quite there, but you have some guys. You have Anti Gulab, you have Tyson Pedro, Jared Cannonier, all emerging. Corey Anderson will pick it up eventually, I think. But one that I said to look out for was Dominic Reyes. And he looked really good. And he is a Joe Daddy Stevenson product. Uh, hear what James Lynch talked to uh, Stevenson about after this Reyes fight. Here for Fightful.com, again with Joe Stevenson, who's a fighter, Dominic Reyes, who's got another impressive quick win uh, at, tonight at UFC 218. Uh, Joe, how happy are you? Dom went out there and, and did it in another, uh, you know, another quick victory. Well, I think um, Dominic is more professional than I was at his age. And where I was in the UFC at that time, I was getting ready to fight BJ. Yeah. So it makes joy. It brings, like, it literally tingle in the back of my neck thinking about the fact that tomorrow he's going to be better than he was today. And we don't know when he's going to plateau. And uh, God honest truth is the ceiling is, I, I don't see it. Yeah. And, and you talked about pre-fight, uh, the fact that he's really just uh, elevating his game every time out. What did you sort of take away from tonight? And, and was there anything that surprised you that he went out there and did? Well, I thought the takedown would come um, from our opponent after we landed a couple strikes. Um, he, he caught us with the right. And to people, it may have looked like it stumbled, but it was more of surprising because he you know, didn't expect it. Jer uh, Jeremy is very explosive. Then once he shot on us, that was we, we had the guillotine locked in. And instead of him shooting down deeper for us to lock it up, he kind of came up and pulled out, which got the takedown. So that surprised us. So to me, I think we got some work to do. And he has the right attitude about this. It's a, he wants to take the right opponents to continue to build and become great. Excellent. And he wants to potentially fight in April. When would you like to see him get back in there as his coach? When the fighter's ready, the coach is there. Okay, good. Yeah, so you kind of just go with what he says. It's great. Um, what's next for you as far as your fighters, uh, you know, that you got competing? Even if it's local stuff, is there any, uh, you know, fights you got coming up? Tomorrow, Juan Archuleta is fighting oh, right. for, um, it'll be his, like, third title defense at yeah. 145. And he's got four world titles already for King of the Cage at yeah. different weights. Yeah. And he has, like, seven world titles. He's, like, 17 and one. That's, yeah. that's tomorrow. Yeah. Why isn't he in the UFC? I mean, he's a guy that we've been hearing about for a while. Why hasn't he sort of made that leap? I, don't know. I think that's the UFC's call because where where they're ready to put him in at, at on time. I mean, it's a, some deep divisions, but yeah. the thing is, he can go. He's 35, 45, 55s. Yeah. He's even fought at 160 for the junior welterweight belt and king of the cage. So I think it's their call. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But would he be open to going to like a Bellator? Or is it just UFC for him? I do happen to know this is his last fight under contract for king of the cage. Oh. There you go. Uh, yeah, I see, I see what we're doing there. Uh, what about you? How are you, you going to celebrate this win tonight? He said tequila. I know you don't drink, but uh, where, where are you guys planning on going? My job as a coach is to follow him around, make sure that nothing bad happens, and keep him safe, just like his brother. And we're family. Excellent. Congrats on the win. Thanks, brother.
Sorry, I was on mute. I said I thought it was very smart of Stevenson to shoehorn in one of his students into there. It was very smart. I think it was one Archuleta, correct? Yes, and he's a four-time uh, or a four-division champ right now with King of the Kings. Yeah, yeah, and he mentioned, hey, by the way, uh, this guy who's 16-1, and one, hopefully going to be 17-1, and one, his last contract, his last fight on his contract's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We heard about it with Shorty Torres when I talked to Shorty uh, at Titan. He trains with uh, the boys up there as well. So, yeah, lots of good stuff coming out of that camp for sure. Yeah, uh, like there, there are just so many like untapped talents, and Juan Archuleta is one of those. But Dom Reyes is – he's tapped now. He's ready. He's at light heavyweight. He's looking good. He's athletic. And we'll talk about that like with Eric Anders later on and. Drakkar Close is one of those guys I looked at as having like supreme athleticism, but he didn't really put it together the other night. But that 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 could be you could do far worse than a guy like Dom Reyes in that light heavyweight division to be in your twenties and off to that kind of start. So I was very excited to see that. Is there anybody at light heavyweight that you look at and you're like, okay, maybe that guy is the one that could hang up there with Cormier and Ozdemir? Because to me, I don't I see. Cormier and Ozdemir, and then I see a bunch of guys who don't have a skill set that can overcome Ozdemir's power or Cormier's wrestling, even at 40. Uh, well, I was going to say Ozdemir, but you put Ozdemir into the sentence. Uh, Dominic Reyes is that guy. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he did or what he's going to do slowly but surely. <clears throat> I don't know if they're going to rush him, but based on the depth of this division, Sean, they may. They may throw him in there to get those those quicker tests, if you know what I'm saying, uh, to get some stuff done. So um, I like the division. I'm, I'm curious about this Ozdemir situation because he's getting that title shot. He's got that situation that happened in Florida while I was on a plane on the way back. So uh, I'm very interested to see how that unfolds. But um, I, the one thing I like about almost every UFC division, Sean, is every time we start thinking, uh this division sucks. It needs some new blood. Eventually, it just comes, man. Eventually, it just shows up. Eventually, we start seeing things. Um, I know uh, right now, Vinny Fernando mentioned uh, Manoa. Manoa, we just don't know what's up anymore. Like, I mean, he just took a beating with uh, from Uzlamir, if I'm not mistaken. So in July, uh, yeah, in, in July. In, but you never know, man. But he's also 37 too. Like, I'm not counting on Jimmy Manoa to make some sort of run. I know that the UFC has like wanted him to make a run. Oh yeah, but but. Here's the thing, Joe. They got in Ozdemir what they wanted out of Manawa. And I think that Ozdemir has made yeah, a, lot more, a lot more noise, for better or for worse, than Jimmy Manawa did. Jimmy Manawa had good wins over Ovent St. Prue and ha- had good win over Corey Anderson. He's beaten some guys here and there. But <clears throat> every time that he has faced the, the tip-top, the elite, the Ozdemir, the Gustafson, the Rumble, he's failed. And now Gustafson's out for a long time. Shocker. Now we had, we didn't. We you know what? You know what's, whose name didn't even come up in this conversation? Misha Serkinov. Misha Serkinov. Yeah, uh, Shogun Hua. If he can stay healthy, is like like I've been saying for a while. <laughs> yep. He's one torn meniscus from a contender away from getting a title shot in this division. Yeah. Like he's yeah. that close still, and a lot of people don't realize that. But uh, yeah, we also have an interview with Dom Reyes up on Fightful.com. Head over to the exclusive section. There's a ton of it. I like the Our, fact that Joe Daddy was when he was talking about Dominic that a he called him a joy, uh, but b it's it's the fight's done with, camp's over, you competed, time to go out and celebrate. But as a good coach, 
uh, he's going to sit there. He's going to babysit. He's going to ensure that – or that he was uh, to ensure that the fighter doesn't get himself in trouble. That's a guy that's had life experiences to say, you're not doing what I did. You're going to go out. Yeah. You're going to celebrate. We're going to have a good time, but it's going to be moderated, and I'm going to watch you. And as, as soon as you have, a.k.a. too much to drink or whatever, we're going to tone it down. We're going to go. We're not going to let something stupid or a situation that's dumb – potentially would happen with Vulcan Uzdemir, um, ruin our reputation, ruin our ascension up this 205-pound ladder. As we wrap up 218 and the ramifications around that, I want to put over Paul Felder because, one, that finish was sick. Two, the man has had such a busy schedule. He called fights on Dana White's Contender Series. He has done fight nights. He has been on UFC on Fox panels. He's calling this weekend show in Fresno. Like, right after... He elbowed Charles Oliveira through the mat. Now, we did have a clip to queue up for him. Uh, you all can check that out on our YouTube. I'm not going to queue it up. We're a little short on time as is, but it is up there. And now Paul Felder has won five of his last six fights. And this was a situation that I wondered, will it affect him? Will it bother him? No, it didn't. He looked really great after he, he worked his way up. And he shows up to finish fights, and that's... That's a big, big win for him. He, he's beaten Stevie Ray and Charles Oliveira back-to-back. And those those guys always come to fight as well. But we do have UFC Fresno. We will hear from Kevin Lee a little bit later, guys. UFC Fresno, on, like, it's not it's one of those shows, Joe. It's not a star-studded show. But then when you get there and you look at that lineup and you see what's going to happen, or, or you see what could happen, you're like, oh, that, that's going to be fun. Uh, programming note, we will not have a live show Right after that on Saturday, I had a prior commitment, kind of celebrating Christmas a little early. That way I can actually be here for Christmas, Monday Night Raw, all that stuff the night of. But uh, either myself or myself and Joe will have a some sort of wrap-up on Sunday. But right on this show, Cub Swanson, Brian Ortega, Jason Knight, Marlon Marias, Aljamain Sterling, you have Eric Anders, you have Davis and Carmouche. Luke Sanders is always fun to watch. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of like bubbling under, like talent on this show. Yeah, considering Cub Swanson, uh, well, it's, it's. I guess you could say it's a pick'em fight because Cub Swanson's a plus one hundred in this fight, whereas Ortega is a slight favorite at minus one twenty. But there's some fun fights here, man. Uh, I want to see how Aljamain Sterling does against Marlon Moraes. Like that's a tough fight, in my opinion, for for Aljamain. And it's a statement fight if he yeah. wins. I think any top 10, top 15 fight's a tough one for Aljamain because for a while I used the excuse that he was a very raw talent. Because yeah. when he came into the UFC, if you remember, he was under three years as a pro. Mm-hmm. That's pretty normal these days, coming into the UFC three years in as a pro. He won those four fights and he was able to get big wins. I mean real big wins against Mizugaki and Eduardo. When he lost to Caraway in a Sun Sal, you could see that a lot of that raw ability hadn't been refined yet. Now, there are a lot of guys who just never come back from that. He did. Mm-hmm. He beat Augusto Mendez and Henan Barral. He is back in the conversation now. He is putting himself back out there. And that's hard to do after you've lost two straight fights. But Caraway, that was probably at Caraway's peak, uh, it was his last fight. <laughs> and a Sun Sal, you know, a Sun Sal is always a contender. So that, that's going to happen. Marlon Marias, though, is, in my opinion, among the best. 
He beat John Dodson. He hung in there with the Sun Sal. Probably should have beat a Sun Sal. I personally don't really think that Marias has been beaten in his like last 14 fights since since he uh, got beat by Toro Savicius or whatever it was in Ring of Combat. Remember that guy? God, yeah. I forgot all about him. But um, I think Marias gets it done. I do. I, I would – listen. You're not going to get an argument from me, although I do like the fact that Aljamain has the opportunity to silence you and I, right? The fact that he can say, you know what? I'm I'm a plus one thirty underdog. It ain't much. I think that's because you know Marlon recently fought. Um, but at the same time, I like these types of fights where guys can can and girls can sort of step up and say, yeah, you know what? I am ready. What up? What's up? Let's do this. I just beat this guy and I've taken all of his wins and put them under my belt now. Let's go. What's next for me? Uh, I think Aljamain has an opportunity to be a star. You know, he's got the whole Eric B and Rakim thing going on, right? I absolutely love it, right? Yeah, and I'll, I'll never get sick of it. I mean, Payton Full plays in my house almost like daily. Um, so huge fan of Aljamain, but I want to see how he deals with Marlon because Marlon is just sick. He got a nice little contract out of the UFC too, so – Hey, good friend. I mean, he was making, I think under his new deal, he's making like 30 and 30, which is a lot more than some guys do. And I think that's increased since then. But he was smart. He he won those first four fights. And if I remember right, he held out on his contract a little bit. He's like, no, I'm going to get paid. He was one of those guys back when a lot of people were kind of first testing free agency that did. So I'm very much looking forward to that fight. We got that main event, Cub Swanson and Brian Ortega. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a Brian good Ortega, one. the legend killer? What's the guy's name from WWE? Orton? Randy Orton? Randy Orton. Well, now Randy Orton's a legend. I don't know. He beat Guida. Yeah, Guida looked fantastic in his first, last fight. First time I ever saw him was 2014 when he beat Keone Coke, Eric Coke's brother, yeah, who I had, yeah. I had interviewed. I did a series at Cage Passion Media called Bloodlines, where ironically I talked to like Keone Coke, Joe Ellenberger, who made it into the UFC, and Sergio Pettis. And back then, you know, you didn't know if any of these guys would do anything, but Brian Ortega came along and, and derailed Keone Coke. And uh, the thing is, who knows where Ortega would be right now had he not tested positive in, in 2014. That kept him out for like 11 months, 10, 11 months. And he's looked real good since then. He's finished every single person. He's finished everybody that he's fought in the UFC, finished both the people, or no, he finished uh, Jordan Rinaldi in RFA. So he's an exciting fighter. He <laughs> has an outstanding guard, just a, an unbelievable guard. And usually when somebody says to me, oh, this MMA fighter is a great guard, I'm like, yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> it's 2017, who gives a shit? But his is a very good offensive guard. Yeah, uh, I also like the fact that Cub Swanson is absolutely insulted. By this fight, he's disgusted. It's weird. He right? wants, yeah, he's pissed, right? Uh, and now he's a dad, so now he realizes <laughs> there's something else to fight for. Um, and this is the last fight of his contract, is it not? I'll have to look. I'll have to look. I I forgot to mention though, Paul Felder was at the end of his UFC deal. Yeah, so Felder's at the end, and um, he says he's not going anywhere though. Yeah, he's like, not he's, going he's, anywhere, and you can't blame him. Like, no, if you're him, you don't test free agency. Because, you can't. No, you can't. You've got so many side gigs with the UFC. So, hold on, hold on. You can. 
Yes, you can because if you calculate the amount of money you could potentially make from fighting in the UFC and the amount of money you're going to make with the side gigs and you multiply it over four years, you can do it. But after those four years or three years or whatever the term of a quote-unquote other company's contract, Bellator or whatever would be, you got to think long-term as well. So short-term, you could make that money. Long-term, what's going to happen? Because if you could stay with the UFC – do great at color commentating or do great at what you're doing with Fox as well, that's a lifetime gig. Well, Paul Felder, though, every time he steps in the cage, he's probably pretty much expecting an extra 50K the way he fights. Oh, yeah, sure. For better or for worse, probably an extra 50K. Ortega and Swanson, I think Ortega has a real good chance here, but I got to see how he handles the, the pressure of Cub Swanson on the feet. The violence? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see how this goes down, man. Fun main event, man. Fun main event. I know it's in Fresno and people are throwing up Edmund Tavridian jokes right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, someone just posted that Ronda Rousey has a better chance learning how to punch in WWE. I almost – thank God there's no more coffee left because I, w- I would have spilt it laughing yeah. my face off. Jason Knight versus Gabriel Benitez. That will be an exciting fight, I'm sure, because of the way that both of them fight. I don't think it should be the co-main. I think Marias versus Sterling should be the co-main. Yeah, I think you're bang on with that, especially considering the massive difference in terms of odds in this fight here. Minus 310 for Jason, uh, plus 255 for Gabriel. That is a big difference there. It's, anything can happen, but I would have put Aljamain and Marlon up there as well. Cool, yeah. for sure. Uh, nobody watching this show cares about Benito Lopez and Albert Morales. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody cares about Holtzman and Horcher either. But Alexis Davis, Liz Carmouche at flyweight. That's an interesting one. It's a statement, right? It's going to say, okay, you know what? Where are we? At 135, we had our chance. Couldn't do it. Uh, we have the opportunity. We, we couldn't drop down to 115. It's just, just simply too much for our bodies to handle. But an extra 10 pounds to cut, we can do it. Let's give it a shot. They go in there, and now they can make a statement um, with a victory here only because it's a big risk for both, but it's also, you know, without great risk, there's no great reward. The winner of this fight can, can start putting a flag down on that mountain of 125 pounds and saying, yo, I'm here. What's up, Nico? What you got? Every fight at women's flyweight for the next six months is very important to me. Every fight, really, over the first year or so is really important to me because you're going to have people putting together win streaks in the division who maybe are coming off of losing streaks or losses in other divisions. Maybe this is where they belong. Maybe this is what they're trying out. Can't wait to find out. Eric Anders, I just want to say, very excited to watch him fight because he, God, he's got that that background as a University of Alabama football player that has translated very well to MMA. He beat Natal in his debut in July, so I'm watching out for that one. Luke Sanders, the boyfriend of WWE's Becky Lynch, is fighting. <clears throat> I think he is rather underrated. I loved the fight with Alcantara in March. He was very close to winning that fight, but he didn't. So he, him against Sukuntov is going to be very good. And then you have Alcantara on the prelims fighting Alejandro Perez uh, in a fight that also, I think, deserves to be a co-main above Jason Knight <laughs> versus Benitez. Uh, just as, just as I think Alexis Davis versus Liz Carmouche does. You know, I just – there are three or four fights that I would put above – Jason Knight versus Gabriel Benitez. I don't quite understand that, and you know people are going to tell me, "Oh, but 
the featured prelim on Fox Sports 1. The whole the show is on Fox Sports 1. Why are there right. prelims on Fox Sports 1? I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's still because it's old school. You got to say main card. You got to say prelims, but the full card's there. So uh, we'll be interesting. Looking forward to it. It's going to be fantastic. Although, I, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking much about the Jason Knight-Benitez fight. I like it. I, I it's it's going to be fun. fun. It's going to be a good fight. I'm just talking about as far as wh- who has done what in the UFC. Yeah. Top yeah. billing. Like, like potential and services rendered. They don't belong up there. Hey, services rendered to Fightful, they belong up there. Jason Knight made a lot of pros picks for us. Got us a lot of attention doing that. Hick Diaz, as they call him. Sure. <laughs> That's cool. Whatever. He talked about Brazilians all failing USADA tests. Uh, so that show is going to be a barn burner. It's going to be good. The week after that, we have Lawler versus Dos Anjos. And that, that is a good-looking show. You've got Lawler, Dos Anjos, Ricardo Lamas on the show, Ponza Nibio, Mike Perry, Glover versus Misha Serkinov. On the prelims, you have Tim Elliott. We're going to talk to uh, Justin Scoggins, who actually pulled out of that fight. It's going to be unfightful this weekend. There's some there, The main card of that Fox show, really good. Then we have a break until Home and Cyborg. And uh, you'll hear from Cyborg and Home on this show next week, actually. But that show is one of those that has just a fun main event or a fun main card. UFC is getting real good at doing that, Joe. On pay-per-views, they are at the very least intriguing or exciting UFC main cards, and and I can appreciate that for sure. It's yeah, good that's how it's got to get done, man. With their lack of pay-per-view draws, you got to do that. You got to load them up with fights. Did you see that turd burglar from the Detroit Free Press that wrote um, that article about how bad the show was? I'm going to go with no because I'm so used to that. In every Canadian city that the UC used to have an event back in the day, there was always one uh, – I won't repeat the term uh, – TV uh, that would just uh, – what, what are you writing, guy? Like it was just like, what? It's you the stupid. old – it's the old – Actually, the popular opinion is incorrect article that a lot of people do. Like, it, it, I've noticed it real bad in Cincinnati media, journalism, sports journalism. Then I find out it's everywhere. It's just a typical 100%. radio host thing. Like, well, actually, here's why you're wrong. And UFC 218 sucked. Uh, yeah. Bro, go eat a brick because you're wrong. You're wrong. He got eviscerated, got dominated. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah, and he misspelled Ronda Rousey's name. He basically said, this show wasn't good because Ronda Rousey didn't fight on it. If you come back to Detroit, go big or don't come at all. And I was like, you piece of shit. You fool. What kind of a dope? Yeah, so used to it. So used to it. 20 years in this game, Sean. Just burgling turds, that guy. Just burgling him. Wearing his mask and his hat. Just ganking turds out of toilets, that fella. So we've reached pretty much the end of this show. As I promised, we're going to hear from Kevin Lee, who is we, – we've talked a lot about change in divisions, change in weights. He's not moving to 170, he says. Now, if there was a 165 division, I'm sure he would have already done it. He wanted to get on UFC 
218, but he couldn't. You know, he had a staph infection. It was a little too soon. Afterwards. No chance. But Kevin Lee talking about his future with James Lynch. Get on this card? Like, was there a thought of doing that after the loss of Ferguson? Yeah, I, I tried to, but you know, with the Nothing with the commission, right. and uh, I was already in some hot water anyway. And yeah. it, it took me about two weeks to recover from that fight on the antibiotics, <laughs> so uh, there was no way. And you know, my opponents were running short too, so it it, it looked like uh, the closer that it got to it, the the less that looked like a possibility. But I would have hoped for it. And did you take some time off after that uh, the fight with Ferguson? You know, take get some R and R because you know it was a big fight, obviously for the interim title. Did, did you get some uh, downtime? Yeah, for sure. I took about a month, about a month or so off. Uh, I'm ready to get back up in there, though. I'm like, I started to get that itch again. I said I wanted to take a long break. Uh, I said I maybe wanted to come back in July or something like that. I'm, I'm thinking April now. Like, I want to, I get that itch. Like, I, I love to fight. This is what I, I got the most uh, fights in the shortest amount of time for a reason. This is what I love to do. After I take, like, a month of sitting around, like, I'm ready to fight again. At, at 155 or you want to go to 170? Yeah, I think uh, the more I sit on it, the more I'm letting my body heal. Uh, 155 is definitely where I'll stay. It's a lot of good fights for me. Uh, you know, I got you got the Khabib fight. I'm, I'm interested to see who who gonna win this Eddie and, and Justin fight. There's a lot of good fights for me, so I think I'm gonna stay at 155, 170s. A, you know, maybe maybe that in the future. But right now, I got too much to handle at 155, and I've got to get back Tony up for that one. Would you do anything differently with the cut? Uh, you know, going into the last fight, it looked like it was a really rough one for you. Are you kind of planning a different strategy this time around ahead of your next fight? Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna sit on it. I'm gonna sit on it. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna play around my weight a little bit. That's what's gonna take me till about April, uh, because I'm, I'm gonna really sit and, and, and play on my diet after the holidays. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how light I can walk around. Like right now, I'm, I'm sitting here about 188, uh, 187. So I, I can probably knock that down to about 178, and then uh, it'll make the cut a lot smoother on me. Uh, Robert Fallis is a left extreme couture. Did that affect you at all, as far as uh, you know, you working with him at all? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have to see on that. You know, I'm going through a couple different changes. That's what's gonna take me so long to fight. You know, I'm changing my diet. Uh, I'm changing my management. Uh, Robert's changing out of, out of extreme couture. So we're we gonna see. We're gonna, we gonna have to sit on it. I'm gonna have to play with it. Uh, I'm thinking about bringing in other coaches too. Uh, I want to get some more working with like uh, guys like Duke Rufus. Got you know guys like uh, uh, Brandon Gibson. Uh, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll kind of bounce around a little bit. I'm, I've already been training in other places everywhere I go. Uh, I've been training down here at Michigan Top Team since I've been here. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep bouncing and uh, stealing ideas from everybody. But my, my, my team will remain the same. Yeah. So you're gonna stay in Vegas, though. You're not gonna leave. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say because the weather's a lot better than. Yeah, in, no, yeah. I, got, I mean, uh, if, if I do end up buying a house here, it, yeah. it'll be for other reasons. You know, yeah. I'll bring back family or something. And, and speaking of family, your brother's fighting in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, just give him a plug here. He's a flyweight fighter, uh, you know, doing doing big things. Yeah, yeah, my brother uh, Keith Lee. Yeah. Uh, he's only had three professional fights, but the kid's a phenom. Uh, he, he's even better than me when I was at his age. He, he's 21 years old. Uh, he's going to be the next rising star. By this time next year, he'll already be in the UFC and established. Uh, I think he'll probably make his debut on that July card. Uh, we just got to get him get him rolling, get him some more fights. Uh, the kid's already, I mean, we have him sparring UFC fighters on a daily daily basis, and, and he's taking those guys out. Uh, those guys don't want to spar with him no more. So it's going to be hard to find him fights because nobody wants to take it. Uh, but we, once he gets a couple more, he's he going to be in the UFC for sure, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with at 135 or at 125. Uh, if Demetrius Johnson is still up there, my brother got something to say about that. He's fighting in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's fighting December 16th uh, over in Grand Rapids. We'll, we'll go which, back. Which promotion? Uh, KOP. Oh, KOP. KOP. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, full combat. Yeah, yeah. He, he gonna go back. Uh, it's gonna be a quick. It's gonna be a quick fight. He he gonna go out there. He gonna knock the kid out. We'll have another one in January. You know, we, we'll see. We'll see how the thing shake up. Uh, get him a couple fights. He'll be in the UFC and he going after that championship run.
so Kevin Lee also promoting his brother Keith, who is going to be a who is a 125 pounder. One he was four and zero as an amateur, two and one as a pro. Expects him to be in the UFC next year. Well, yeah, okay. Well, it's Never UFC know. and it's flyweight, so yeah. Well, <clears throat> Josie Torres. Sorry, that's Torres. true. I, th- I think he'll be there next year. No, he's already been. He's been, he's been offered a few fights already, but. It's always after a Titan fight when the guy's completely broken, so or broken down from injuries and sure. stitches and stuff like you gotta that. Yeah, be so, smart about it yeah. if you're if you're Shorty Torres. You have to be. Because, what do you think of Kevin? Sorry, go ahead. Because uh, Shorty Torres' undefeated record is important as it, as it pertains to a marketing standpoint. You got to have that. What do you make of Kevin? He's five foot nine, uh, and the reason why I'm asking you this question is I'm five seven. He's five foot nine. We're both 178 pounds. Mm-hmm. He needs to cut to 155. I've had conversations way back uh, to when Matt Hughes uh, was the UFC welterweight champion about you know what if I was could compete in the UFC. He asked me my weight and blah blah. And I think you know if if I was a professional fighter, my weight now at 155 would be considered the perfect cut. I thought Matt was bigger than 178. Uh, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Matt, what he was walking around was close to 200. George was 193, cutting to 170. They said people just anywhere around 175 and slightly up can cut down to 155. I think it's a great call um, by Kevin Lee if he can keep that weight at 178. Again, Sean, he's got two inches in height over me. I'm 5'7", I'm he's 5'9". Do you like the fact that he should monitor his weight at 178 or can he go a little higher? Oh, gosh, I'm six feet tall and I grappled it. 149.9. All right. I did a test cut to 149.9 correctly. The first, well, I don't want to say correctly. I made the weight on the test cut. Then my body shut down as I tried to make it for the tournament. Ended up having to jump to 165. I will never do that to myself again. But Kevin Lee is an athlete. Yes. I was a guy who competed in an athletic event. I was not an athlete like Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's got nutritionists behind him and all that stuff. We we've seen what can happen. Like he's got the right people behind him. I think a lot of his issue was the staff infection, and nobody can tell me any different. I've never had one, but I've seen people who've had it, and it's and it's a struggle. It's horrible. He said he's about one eighty seven. Yeah, you got to get that around one seventy seven, one seventy eight, and then you'll be. I think you'll be fine. I think he'd be all right there. But Kevin Lee's the guy I'm very excited to see again. Had he won that championship, oh my god, I think they, they would have had a real winner there. He is marketable, he is charismatic, he's very he's very smart about what he says and what he doesn't say. Like generally. But generally. <laughs> generally, <laughs> I say, generally. Generally with anybody, but these days, like I just assume that people his age come up knowing there's a camera everywhere, but Yeah. yeah. You would hope so. You would hope so. What else is on your mind? Oh, <sighs> We got this this weekend of UFC coming up, and then next weekend, final battle and WWE Clash of Champions. It's Christmas, and we're gonna have a bunch of WWE Royal Rumble stuff we've got planned. But we've just got so much content at Fightful, like just so much. It's it's insane. I would plug it all, but good God, guys, there's just just go to the damn website. It's Fightful.com. <laughs> it's just there's so much there. Like every single day, there's so many things that you can't get anywhere else. I have an Ask Me Anything post up on our Fightful.com forums. So go over there, ask me a question. To be honest with you, I don't give a shit if you care or not. Well, I've had people pop up, oh, who cares what you have to say? I don't care. Just ask me the question. 
Ask me how many Cheez-Its I can eat before I pass out for all I care. Let's go over there. Use the forums. Ask a question. That's what they're there for. I love you guys. I love the support. It's fun. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Joe, what else you got? That's a wrap, man. I'm cool. I got a bunch of stuff to write for Fightful. I got to get some videos done uh, or a video for sure for uh, some fun bets for this show here going down in Fresno. Uh, looking forward to that. And other than that, uh, a big party tonight for my little guy. Well, not big. Family's coming here to celebrate it. Uh, I'm going to pull a Justin Willis and potentially Thanks be for a the invite. Bit of a drive and flight for you. But, uh, uh, you yeah, know what? It's going I've been to there be, before. Uh, I've been to Toronto. Yeah. I, I pretty much – Pretty much a resident. Oh, I. Somebody asked me. I got. I got contacted about a wrestling booking recently, and it conflicted. Like I couldn't do it because uh, it conflicted with my my fightful duties. But they loved my idea, and I'll go ahead and pitch it since uh, <laughs> since I'm not doing it. But it was for December. And they, they had a lack uh, – they needed somebody near the top of the card for their one-off as a heel. But, like, they they really wanted a foreign heel. And I was like, why, why do you got to do the foreign heel thing? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was like, you know what? I can do a foreign heel. I will show up there in my red singlet waving a Canadian flag talking oh. about how I spent four days in Canada and I didn't want to come home. <laughs> and just That could work. It, it would have worked. It would have worked. Believe me. That's sick. Joe, I wrestled in a place called Aberdeen, Ohio once. It's right across the river from where I was born, Maysville, Kentucky. All right. I'm talking like a matter – with the right trajectory, you could piss over the river into the, the other state, Joe. And I got people in Aberdeen, Ohio to hate Maysville, Kentucky just by trolling cool. them about it. It's, it's pro wrestling, man. It's so That's easy. gangster. It's so so what I was saying was that what I was saying is I'm, I'm likely going to pull a Justin Willis tonight uh, oh. and be a fat. What do you call it? A fat bastard? Sit on the couch oh, and be yeah. a fat bastard. Oh yeah. But uh, I won't be sitting on the couch. I'll be obviously entertaining those that are going to be here. But uh, it is safe to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I will not be 178 pounds tomorrow morning. I'll just simply say that there will be some. Uh, I believe. If uh, I wish you guys could smell. My house right now, that is ribs in the oven. But the wife took the day off. It's cooking. So I'm yeah. hoping by maybe the end of February I'll, or maybe the end of January I'm 178 pounds because I've been a little under the weather, as you know, Joe. And it's required a lot of sitting on my ass and not working out, not being able to do cardio. And I feel terrible. I, feel, I ate bad and ready to change it, ready to change it. Yeah. Somebody says what? SRS playing a Russian. I could probably I could probably play a Russian. Honestly, I could do that. I could do that. But uh, guys, thank you all so much. Leave me a thumbs up, subscribe, share share the story, all that good stuff, uh, or share the podcast. Share all of our stories. Let people know about Fightful.com. We're still emerging, still getting people to know about us. But thank you guys so much. Until next time, we are out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.